Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hi, I'm Pete Buttigieg, and this is The Deciding Decade. Sometimes people say politicians are like actors, and when they say it, they usually don't mean it as a compliment. There's some truth to that. Just look at our president, who was a reality TV star, who feels like he's acting more than governing most of the time. But I think that comparison often sells short the importance of actors, of artists, In their vulnerability, their creativity, their courage, artists bring meaning to our lives that we simply couldn't find anywhere else. So I don't think we give artists enough credit for shaping and maybe even saving so many lives. Art has shaped my life, especially music and literature that helped me to understand who I am. For my husband Chastin, theater and film have been the most impactful. And I've noticed that we have turned to and dug further and further into these creative sources to help us navigate the times that we're facing right now. And we're seeing how many of the experiences of the most vulnerable are being given new expression through the arts today. So what can art do for us going forward? And what can we learn from those who are shaping our time through their creativity and courage? 
My guest today speaks to this and embodies this with boldness, courage, and grace, and I'm very eager for you to hear from him. Billy Porter is an actor, singer, fashion icon, and activist who you have hopefully seen in the extraordinary and compelling TV show Pose. He has starred on Broadway, off-Broadway, in film and television. He performed at the 2020 Democratic National Convention this summer. He is a Tony, Grammy, and Emmy winner and was the first openly gay black man to be nominated for and win in any leading acting category at the Primetime Emmys. On and off screen, he has inspired so many in the LGBTQ plus community and beyond with his authenticity and his courage and whose activism, I think, is helping to change what's possible in our future. Welcome, Billy. And I have to ask, uh, having uh, uh, mentioned your awards in the introduction, what's the plan to get that Oscar? (laughs) I don't really have a plan. First of all, thank you for having me. It's so good to be having this conversation with you. It's a pleasure. Um, You know, I'm trying to get some movies. I got some movies. I got some plans. We try to make it happen. I don't know. I've been in the business long enough to like hold the idea of awards in a very specific kind of space. Mm. I don't do it for the awards. Mm-hmm. I'm an artist first. I'm going to be practicing my art, whether I win awards or not, as that has been proven for the 30 years prior to this That's right. moment in my life. Simultaneously, who doesn't like to win awards? To be truthfully honest with you, as a Black gay artist, they actually do mean something for me. Absolutely. A lot more than they do for my white counterparts. Mm. They do open doors for me that are open to my white counterparts anyway. So they don't have to win awards to have these doors opened. Mm. Um, But I'm very grateful to be in this position Doors have been opening and I'm walking through every single one of them that I have the energy and breath to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I have little doubt that there are more awards in your future. Of course, you've, you've made news not only with the awards that you've earned and won, but with your appearances. Uh, I think uh, I'm not out of line describing you as a, a fashion god. <laughs> And that's an intimidating conversation for me because I routinely will come downstairs and Chaston will look at me and eyebrow will go up and all he'll say is, are you going to be wearing that? And I know it's time to go back upstairs and improve upon myself. And it strikes me that, especially for people who aren't very involved or or aware of fashion, it can be maybe viewed as something that's not as important uh, in in this very important time of big world events and social upheaval. And yet, it's clear in the way you've spoken about some of your fashion choices that have made headlines, that this is language, that that maybe even fashion in this way is activism. And I wonder, what have you sought to say with that language? And what what impact do you seek to have when you're making the splash that you so often make when you appear on a red carpet? Yeah. Um, first and foremost, being first generation post-civil rights movement, hmm. the focus of Black people were to make sure that your children were educated first. Second on the list was you're judged by your appearance. Hmm. You know, the first thing that people see is what you look like. So one must dress for the job one wants not the job one has. And what you're saying is not just a job job, but a, a level of regard speaking, in society. Right. Speaking metaphorically, yeah. it's like fashion is art. 
For me, mm -hmm. art is activism. It always has been. Mm. Artists have always been at the forefront of creating change, of speaking truth to power. We always mm -hmm. have. We always will be. I use this pandemic as an example. You're locked in your house for six months. Mm -hmm. What are you doing the most of? Watching television, reading books, arts and crafts, listening to music. We all go back to the art. It's important. Especially now. Especially now. So therefore, coming up in the business and understanding the impact that fashion can have, mainly for women, you know, because women can wear anything. You know, men are relegated to the penguin suit and that's it. Which is something you've challenged. Correct. And you can get it in different colors. You know, people are starting to wear a pattern, but it's a suit. <laughs> it's considered masculine. Hmm. Masculinity is top on the list for everything and everybody. The patriarchy is masculine. So unconsciously, we live in a space where we all receive the message that masculine is better. I want to explore this because you said in an interview once, uh, you said my masculinity was in question before I could even comprehend the thought. Yeah. So uh, I'm wondering, first of all, when you did comprehend the thought, what did, what did masculinity mean to you, especially growing up in Pittsburgh? And how has that changed? Are you seeking to change the definition of masculinity or is it something that you view as kind of set that, that you're seeking to confront and challenge? Both things, actually. It's standing up and confronting and challenging the status quo while simultaneously trying to change the conversation. You know, what does being a man truly mean? What does that mean? I was five years old when I was sent to a psychologist for a year every Wednesday after kindergarten because my family was confused, scared, in fear of the other in fear that their boy was too effeminate, was not going to be masculine enough, therefore would not be able to be successful in the world because that's the messaging. And it's true for a lot of people. I personally took myself out of that game and challenged myself to look at myself in the mirror and go, what would it look like if I was just showing up as myself? And was there a specific moment when you felt conscious of making that choice? Or is it something that, that you grew into? Yeah, I was watching Oprah hmm. over 20 years ago. And she had on Maya Angelou and Ayala Van Sant. And they were talking about setting an intention for your life and making sure that that intention is based in service. When the intention for your life is based in service, no matter what it is, everything else will work itself out. And so I asked myself the question, in a world, in an industry that's inherently narcissistic, what does service look like for me? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. It is your gayness. It is your queerness. It's the very thing that every single solitary person in your life is telling you, Billy, your gayness is your liability. Butch up. Hmm. You won't make it unless you're masculine enough. That was the only messaging that I got for the better part of my life. And still today, it can infiltrate. I am challenging that with my very presence. It's easy to be who you are when what you are is what's popular. That was not popular 
That meant I don't work. That meant I don't eat. How did you know that wasn't where the story ends? How did you know that you did not, by being yourself chosen, uh, were there moments where you gave up hope? Were, were there moments where you thought that, you know, I'm myself, but that's cost me everything? Yes. Yes, absolutely. It was not glamorous. It was not hmm. easy. You know, there were many, many days where I couldn't even get out of bed in the morning. There were many self-destructive behaviors that came along with this journey. But there was something you must have held on to to bring you through that to this point. Was it in yourself? Well, I, I was just talking about this. I didn't have a plan B. Hmm. I don't have a plan B. I can't do anything else. This is the gift. These are the gifts that I've been given. This is what I can contribute to the world. So when it's all you have, there is no choice mm -hmm. but to continue to just put one foot in front of the other. Mm. That's all I focused on. Don't look at the mountain. Don't look at how far you have to climb. Look at what's the next step today. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell us about what the next steps are going to be in the years ahead? I'm, I'm thinking about a show like Pose, mm -hmm. an extraordinary television show that might not have been possible, would not have been possible 10 years ago, might not have been possible five years ago. It was impossible. So <laughs> it was not possible. So what do you think is now going to be possible five years from now or 10 years from now that we can't even imagine today? What are those next steps? Well, you know, I have to say that Pose and Ryan Murphy and Stephen Canals and Brad Felchick and the entire team, Janet Mock and Lady J, you know, casting me in this show and being in this particular show has taught me to dream the impossible. Hmm. You know, my dreams have always been big and huge, but they've, and grand, but they've always been based on and springboarded off of things that I had already seen. The impossible has happened in my life. That's what Pose is. Hmm. You know, I also related to something for us gay men of a certain age, gay marriage. Yeah. Marriage equality. There was no context to even place the, mustard seed of a dream inside it. Like it just <laughs> mm. wasn't the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I never, ever in a million years thought that my life would look like this. You know, I spent the first 30 years of my career trying to be straight enough so I could eat, trying to be masculine enough so I could eat. And now I'm being called to just simply be myself. And by being yourself, you're changing what people, I think, understand to be possible. Yeah. I should say for people who haven't seen it, the post centers on the lives of uh, largely black queer Americans in the 1980s. And I kept thinking as, as I, I'm watching it, what those characters would think to see where we are today. What do, do you ever imagine a dialogue between you, Billy Porter, 2020? Yeah. And the character you play or the characters you're surrounded with in the show? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just gobsmacked. You know, every time I get a script, I just weep with joy. I just can't believe it. You know, like I'm 51. I lived through the AIDS crisis. I lost a lot of friends. You know, we lost a generation of queer people, of people in general, but mostly queer people and queer artists and to be able to step into that void.
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. You came out in the 1980s, right at the peak of the, of the AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think having lived through and confronted AIDS gives the queer community any kind of special insight or special preparedness or special compassion when it comes to what the world is facing with COVID? Or is it a, is it a completely different experience? Well, I think there are parallels. I'm Black and I'm mm. gay. So... The parallels inside of this virus in general, you know, the layers of how it started, we don't know what it is, how do we contract it, what do we do about it, is there a vaccine, how do, you know, like all of that part, it's so PTSD inducing. Because it throws you right back. It's just, we're right back. And I have a lot of friends who are experiencing the same kind of PTSD. You know, as a Black man, the fact that this particular COVID-19 virus is affecting people of color in a larger proportion to the rest of the population 
is also reminiscent Mm -hmm. of the AIDS crisis. So I have been really just trying to work on in this time of this global reset is what I'm calling it. Working on self-care, working on boundaries, working on balance. You know, like we're the first generation in full as gay men to be living this life out Mm. loud and proud in Mm -hmm. public. Like we're the first generation to be doing that. There's a learning curve. Yeah. There's a steep learning curve. And I'm doing it specifically in the middle of all of this. You know, the pandemic, my career taking off. It's like it all happens at the same time. There is a power in that. There is a peace in that, in knowing that what we're going through right now as a community, as a culture, as Americans, is not new. Now, that's a remarkable thing to hear the word peace used to describe the incredibly complicated and painful moment we're living in. But the, the peace is in the connection to other times or where, where do you find that peace? Well, there's a peace that passes all understanding, right? Mm. That's in the Bible. There is in this moment for me, this global reset has caused me to go inside and do all of the work. I say I'm putting my oxygen mask on first. I'm dealing with old traumas Mm. that threaten to thwart my progress. I'm dealing with all of the bad habits. I'm dealing with the shame that is insidious inside of the gay community. Mm -hmm. You know, the shame that propels us into darkness and very often into the type of darkness where there is no light. I'm not doing that. I'm not going out like that. That's a choice. That's a decision. And then one must do the work to make sure that the outcome from this work is of some sort of use. I can't be of use to anything or anybody until I take care of myself. Well, part of that work that you're describing for you takes place at that intersection of being black and being gay Mm -hmm. at this moment. Mm -hmm. And I saw in an interview, you said that this moment has lit a fire inside of me and truly thrusted me into, into using my platform to deliver the message that black queer people are black first, queer second. And when I first heard that, I, I felt that that was a, a really interesting choice I wanted to ask you. About. Yeah. Uh, and then I wondered, is that a choice or are you saying that the world will always see black queer people first according to their blackness and then according to their queerness? There's a reality that I'm responding to. You look at my skin and I'm black. That's what people are judging me for before I open up my mouth, before I take a step, before any of the things that are detectable, mm-hmm. you know, um, behaviors cue anybody in on my sexuality the decision has already been made based on the color of my skin so that's just the truth of it Mm -hmm. um i have found in my quest for understanding and my quest for being part of my own community that i do stand at the intersection of these two struggles you know the queer community 
is in the civil rights fight of their life right now. Especially the trans community. Especially the trans community. Which as gay men, we have a complicated relationship to, right? We're under this umbrella of LGBTQ+, but the gay community has not always no, no. been there for the we, trans we, community. You know, we haven't always understood. Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. We know better. It's time to do better. Mm. But with that said, I just, I have lived a life of feeling very misunderstood, rejected, dismissed from my own because of my gayness. Mm. And that's a conversation in a really complicated conversation that I am having with my own community. Unfortunately, and historically, communities of color, particularly the African-American community, in my case, I'm only speaking from my experience, the homophobia, the transphobia is so toxic and so destructive that I've seen it literally kill people. And like I said before, I'm not going out like that. Another thing I'm thinking about watching Pose is thinking about, and my life is very different from these characters, uh, mostly characters of color in and around New York, a ballroom mm -hmm. scene, very different from my life. But I feel on one hand connected by the simple fact that I'm part of a community or a tradition in the LGBTQ community yeah. that threads back through their lives. And on the other hand, seeing what they were up against and seeing what they confronted within living memory, even within my lifetime, technically, but not within my lifetime that I was aware of, of the world. I'm also mindful that the acceptance, not total, but the, the acceptance that I've known as an out candidate for president is, is built in part on they're living their lives authentically, and yet knowing that many of them were, were destroyed for Yes, it. and you know, it's not lost on me that I am a part of the generation who kicked the door down. I'm a part of the generation mm. who blazed the trail. And it's not lost on me that very often the people who are the trailblazers are not the ones that get to benefit from the trail having been blazed. Right. I am getting to experience both. That takes my breath away because it creates inside of me an unquenchable fire that will never go out because I have the history. That is the worst of all of it. When you don't know your history, you are doomed to repeat it. It is on purpose that we don't know our history. It is on purpose that our public school system does not teach the truth about anything in our history. I go back to learning about Christopher Columbus and it was a cartoon, a cartoon about how these lovely white people came and, you know, discovered America as if there was nobody else here. Y'all stole it is what happened. You colonized a group of people. We don't know the truth, you know, and that's a difficult thing. It's like when I think about the young people that, you know, the last election cycle, who, when Bernie didn't win the nomination, took their toys and went home and didn't show up at the polls. This is not blame. This is not to harp on the past. But I say this in context of, they didn't know. We just wanted a better life for our kids. 
and they were born into this life. That was better. They didn't have the history. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates— Young Voters Who Are Angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty, beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. There are some people, I'm sure, who are thinking, even now, who are thinking about how they're going to vote. But what really worries me are the people who are thinking about whether they're going to vote. And you have been so vocal and so outspoken on why it is so important to vote and why you don't just get to take your your, your toys and go home. But what is the message to people who, you know, believe because they're under no illusions about the problems in America are therefore so cynical about the entire system that they want nothing to do with it, even voting? That is the whole point of what voter suppression means. Voter suppression isn't just intimidation at the polls. Voter suppression is getting into the psyche of the culture and making us believe that our votes don't matter. And when you think that way, and when you allow that to take hold, they have won. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I use they in quotes. It's like that's the whole point mm-hmm. to destroy democracy is to make people think that the very action that makes a society democratic doesn't work. The one thing, the one right that we have still is to get out and vote. Why do you think they're attacking it so much? Mm. Why do you think that it's not a national holiday? It's on purpose. So what we must do is continue to use our right or we lose our right. You know, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to wrap my mind around how you look at what has happened in the last four years. And there's still a question of if, (laughs) if Biden and Mm. Harris, I -hmm. don't understand the logic. I don't, you know, and this is not Democrat and Republic speak. Mm -hmm. This is not, I'm not talking about that because I'm the kind of Democrat who will vote for a Republican if they're better. You know, I'm looking at the policies. I'm looking at the human being. You know, it's mm-hmm. really not about Democrat or Republican. You know, I'm very progressive. So most of the time it will be Democratic. But in this moment, I'm talking about specifically in this moment today, after what we've seen over the last four years, how is it even a question? Yeah. You know, part of how I talk about it is that we we may have disagreements, especially within my party, over how to do certain things, how to make good on the reality that Black Lives Matter, how to raise wages, how to get everybody health care. But the question we're going into in November is is whether to do any of those things, whether to expand or reduce health care, whether to uh, raise wages or keep. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's just a different conversation. And then I hope we will have good people elected, and we can go yeah. right back to arguing over exactly how to do these things in government. But first, we got we got to settle the question as a country over whether we're going to be moving three steps forward, as you say, or two steps back, or five steps back. Right. And I have to say this: this is the reality that keeps me up at night. The reality is, the Republican Party, as it stands today. I'm not talking about the party of Lincoln. I'm Mm -hmm. not talking about that. These people chose whiteness over humanity. They held their noses and they voted for this monster. They closed their eyes and lined up behind him. Every white man, particularly in a position of power, to check him and stop him, chose to not do it. I can go all the way back to Comey. I can go to Mueller with his anemic response (laughs) to Mattis. I'm calling them all out. Y'all had a chance to make sure that the American people were taken care of and you chose your whiteness instead. Period. Because I assure you, If it was the black president or the woman president doing any of this, they would have been removed without pause. Hmm. The Republican Party was fine with everything that he's doing because they want to cut Social Security, because they want conservative judges on the court, because they want to steal the Supreme Court, because they want 
Social Security to go away. They want Medicaid and Medicare to go away. They want all of those things. And they thought he could be a puppet to make sure that all of that stuff could happen. They did not anticipate COVID and narcissism. Hmm. They didn't anticipate the power of narcissism intersecting with a pandemic. And now we're seeing what's at stake. They didn't plan for that. I mean, I remember conservatives I talked to sometimes saying, all right, look, we don't like him either, but it doesn't matter that much. Yes, it does. We'll deal with it. Exactly. And now we're seeing just how much is at stake. And that's privilege. Mm -hmm. Because when Reagan got in office in 1980, that changed my life and everybody I know Mm. for the worse. Mm. So anybody who says the president doesn't matter that much are people who are not affected, who have the privilege of not being affected by policies Mm -hmm. that take everything away from you. Which is also the kind of privilege that would make somebody think it's okay not to vote. Right. I want to turn to uh, a question that Chaston, uh, who was very excited to know that we'd be speaking, uh, <laughs> asked of me. In fact, I remember, I don't know if you'll remember this, we were we were somewhere in the middle of the campaign. We were at LAX waiting to yep. catch a flight and Chaston yep. nudges me and says, that's that's Billy Porter over there. I said, what? He said, that's Billy Porter. Go talk and to I was, him. And I was doing the same thing on the other side of the on the other side, I was like, ooh, that's Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> well, we struck up a wonderful conversation, and I've, I've been glad to be in conversation ever since. But Chaston wanted me to ask you something that I know is on his mind and, and ours, it, because he's been thinking about those who aren't seen within the queer community. He said, many people in the queer community feel left out, unseen, or or unsafe in this country. And you, Billy, have a way of inviting people in, of making people feel seen and harnessing your own story and your own talent to to help do that and to do good. So for someone as visible as you are, who, even though it was not guaranteed, learned the power of being yourself, what do you have to say to others who aren't quite ready to share their truth or who are questioning whether they're ever going to belong? Well, I mean, RuPaul says it all the time. You know, if you don't love yourself, how the hell can you love anybody else? It seems really simple. Hmm. It's, you know, we hear it so often that we stop hearing it. You know, we hear it so often that I don't believe that as a collective, we totally understand what that means. Hmm. This pandemic, this global reset, you know, has taught me that the only way I can move forward is to figure out how to love myself is to figure out how to let go of the shame. What a wonderful response to the moment we're in. Because I think some people have become clearly very productive in this moment. Others uh, have found it very hard to to get anything done. But if I understand you right, it feels like you're saying that turning inward is not uh, a bad thing when it comes to being ready and able to have more to offer out in the world. You have to get yourself right first. You have to get that right first. first. You know, you have to get yourself right first. Otherwise, your foundation is built on sinking sand. I've built a strong foundation. It's been through the years, uh, metaphorically, the concrete. You know, I've poured the concrete my entire life. I'm standing on some strong foundation now. And it's, and I'm ready for whatever comes, for whatever this election is, for whatever comes. I'm ready. You know, there are people who came before me on whose shoulders I stand, who died for me to be here. So who do I think I am? 
that I'm just supposed to flip through life with no problem. No, I'm going to be here and I'm going to make it better for those who come behind me. That's my goal. That's my service. One of the things that, that strikes me talking to you is you have zero illusions about the problems <laughs> that surround us, the pain of our moment, the trouble in the history yeah. and the present of this country. And yet, you have never sounded to me pessimistic. You talk about a global reset. You talk about time and space for enlargement. You talk about hopes and dreams for the future. Do you believe that 2030 is going to be better than 2020? I do. I believe that 2030 will be better. It's my faith. It's my hope. That's one of the good things that I took from religion that I believe to be man-made. Religion is man-made. Spirituality is divine. Faith and hope was instilled in me. Hmm. It's the only way that I understand how to move through life because otherwise I'm debilitated. I've seen the other version of what darkness can bring. So be the light that you want to see and hope for the best. I mean, that's all we got. And remember to embrace possibility and positivity. There were a lot of poignant moments in that conversation, and one in particular is when Billy said, just tell the truth. And it makes me think that it's more important than ever to find truth, not just publicly, but on the inside. More important than ever to find personal, deep truths and then find ways to give them expression. There's humanity there that we all really need to tap into and are going to continue to need amidst all of the devastation that's happening around us. I really do hope that we can continue to find belonging love of others by better loving ourselves, and real truth through art. I very much believe it's going to be central to shaping and saving ourselves and our country. And I'm so grateful for people like Billy doing this service simply by being the remarkable people that they are. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. 
To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.